I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. How many of you in here know your bacon number? Now, what is a bacon number? David, it's not how many slices of bacon you can put in your mouth at one time. Although I think my personal best is probably around 10. Now, the idea of a bacon number goes back to a concept called the small world theory. And six degrees of separation. Some of you may have heard of that. It's the idea that everybody in the world can be connected to anybody else in six steps or less. And out of that concept, out of that idea, several years ago, uh, there kind of came a game. Kevin Bacon, the actor, had made the statement that he thought at this stage in his career, he probably worked with everybody in Hollywood at one time or another. And so they came up with a game called the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And the idea in that was to see how quickly you could connect yourself through other people to Kevin Bacon. And your Bacon number was how far removed you were from Kevin Bacon. I want to give you an idea of how it works today. You saw that little thing on the front of your bulletin, and some of you have already asked me about it. Some of you have said it looks like a chemistry uh, experiment. But it is the whole idea of the six degrees of, of separation. I want to show you how this works. We're going to use it as an example, our high school pastor, Jerry Allen Witt. Now, Jerry Allen Witt is married to Bonnie Witt. And Bonnie grew up in Wakefield, Virginia. Now, Wakefield, Virginia is the home of the Virginia Diner. The Virginia Diner was featured on the TV show, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Ronnie West has taken several dives over his handlebars as he's ridden his bike all over the place. Ronnie West sold a pop-up camper to Buddy Ham, who lives on Norwood Avenue. And Kevin Bacon's middle name is Norwood. See, we got from Jerry Witt to Kevin Bacon in six steps. Sometimes you don't have to use all of the steps. Sometimes you can kind of eliminate those in the middle and get there a little more quickly. To give you an example of that, well, let's use our worship pastor, Dale Wilbur. <laughs> Dale Wilbur is an avid golfer, and like most golfers, He's very proud of his scores. Now, in one step, we can go to Kevin Bacon. Because Kevin Bacon appeared in the movie, Lies in America. <laughs> so see, sometimes you can get there quickly. You know, the whole idea behind the six degrees of separation and the six degrees of Kevin Bacon is connectivity. How do you connect this person to this person to this person? When we talk about the Bible, that's a question people often ask about the Bible. How does it all connect? I mean, it's 66 books. It's written by about 40 authors. It's uh, written over a span of 1,600 years. It's written in three different languages. It was written on three different continents. Does it all connect together in some way? Well, yes, it does. Dr. W.A. Criswell, the great pastor of First Baptist Dallas for over 50 years, one New Year's Eve service, he decided to preach on that very issue. And he entitled his sermon, The Scarlet Thread of the Bible. And I want to kind of use that idea that, that he presented back in 1961 as my sermon for today. Now, the bad news for you is this. It took W.A. Criswell five hours to preach his message. 
So you may want to squeeze in so we'll make room for the other services as they join us in progress. Now, the good news for you is I'm not going to go as in-depth as, as W.A. Criswell must have done. I'll be honest with you, I've never heard the sermon nor read the sermon well, basically because it's five hours long. Uh, but I want to take that premise and we want to get started with it. If you get your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 9, that's going to kind of be our main scripture for today. And later on in the message, we're going to read through several verses in that chapter. But as we get started, I want us really to, to focus in on one, and that's Hebrews 9.22. And the last part of that verse says, Without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sin. And that's the scarlet thread that runs throughout the entire Bible. And let's start at the beginning of the scarlet thread by going to Genesis chapter 3. Now, you don't need to turn there. I'm not actually going to read any of these, but if you want to turn there, you can, or you can write it down and look at it later. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see the beginning of the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible, and it's found there with Adam and Eve. Those of you that know the story know, of course, that God created this world. We know that. He created this beautiful garden, and he placed man, Adam and Eve, in the midst of that garden to be the caretakers. And it was a pretty plush assignment because they didn't have a lot of limitations on them. In fact, the only real limitation they had on them was they were not to eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Everything else was theirs. Everything else was fair game. That one tree they were not to eat of. God instructed them in that. And yet Adam and Eve were much like many people today. How many times have you heard somebody say, boy, if somebody tells me not to do something, I'm going to do it just to show them. Well, that's kind of what Adam and Eve did, and it got them in a whole lot of trouble, didn't it? They decided they would eat of that tree. They disobeyed God. They sinned against God. And when God came back to see them. And, you know, Scripture tells us that before all of this, God would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. And when God came for their daily walk this particular day, now that they have sinned, now that they have disobeyed God, they're hiding from him. They're in the bushes. They don't want to be seen. They realize that they're naked. They realize that they have sinned. They realize that they have disobeyed God, and they're hiding from him. And so to cover their nakedness, to cover their shame, we see the first shedding of blood. And Scripture tells us that an animal was killed and God used those skins to give them clothes. See, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And here God covers their sin and their shame through the shed blood of this animal. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us what kind of animal it is, but don't be surprised when we get to heaven if we find out it was a lamb. But as we grab our next handhold on our scarlet thread... We go over to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4. And there in Genesis chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. And Scripture tells us there in that chapter that Cain is primarily a farmer, Abel primarily a herdsman. And it comes time for them to bring a sacrifice to God. And Cain brings a sacrifice of the first fruits of his garden. And Abel brings the sacrifice of a lamb slain, the shedding of blood. And Scripture says that God found Abel's acceptable and Cain's not. Why is that? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And they discovered a truth that we need to hear. And that is this, there is no alternative to God's way of doing it. There's no shortcut involved. We are to do it God's way. 
Then over in Genesis chapter 22, as we continue along the thread, we see the story of Abraham and Isaac. And those of you that remember that story, remember that Abraham and his wife Sarah, they were promised by God a son. And years and years and years went by and they had no children. And then at a very, very, very old age, Isaac comes along. And then in chapter 22, it's a remarkable story. But in chapter 22, we see God telling Abraham to take Isaac and go to the place that I'll show you. And there you'll sacrifice your son to me. And so they journey along and three days into the journey, God tells them, go up on top of that mountain, the Mount Moriah. He says, and there you'll sacrifice your son Isaac. And so Abraham, in obedience to God, does that very thing. He goes up onto the mountain. He gets prepared to sacrifice Isaac. In fact, the scripture tells us he, he's all ready to go. He's got the knife drawn back. And as God sees his obedience, he stops him. And he tells him he doesn't have to sacrifice Isaac. And he points him over to a thicket of thorns. And there caught up in that thicket is a ram. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin the good news is God will provide the lamb. As we continue on, we get into the book of Exodus. And in there we see the Hebrew children have been taken into slavery. They're held captive in Egypt. And God raises up a man named Moses to lead them out of captivity. But the problem is, the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, he doesn't want to let them go. He doesn't want to lose all of his slaves. And so God begins to send plagues and hardships on Egypt to force the Pharaoh to let them go. And ultimately, the hardship that comes is death is coming to all the firstborn children. But then God instructs the Hebrew people, he says... Each household is to take a lamb and to sacrifice it and to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. And he says that this night, as death spreads through the land, everywhere that blood is spread on the doorpost, death will pass over and not hit that house. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But God provided a way that his judgment would pass over them. Then in Leviticus chapter 16, we see the instruction that God gives to the priest about how they're to conduct their business, how the high priest is to conduct this whole thing of sacrifice. You see, they were constantly bringing animals to the temple each and every day, but one day out of the year was a special day. It was called the Day of Atonement. And on that day, some amazing things took place. On that day, the high priest was allowed to go into the innermost part of the, the tabernacle there, into the innermost part of the worship. The Holy of Holies, where you couldn't go 364 days a year. But that day he could go. He could go in there to offer sacrifice for the people. Scripture tells us there in, in Leviticus chapter 16 that what happens is he would first slaughter a bull. 
and he would go into there. He'd push back this huge curtain that was there and go in and sprinkle the blood of that bull around the mercy seat, thereby offering sacrifice and cleansing for himself and for his family. Then he would take a lamb and he would uh, slaughter that lamb. He would take that in there and he would sprinkle that again on the mercy seat of God to offer sacrifice for all the people of Israel. But there was another animal involved. It's an animal that we get the term scapegoat from. You see, I have to understand, in, in the Hebrew language of that day, lamb and goat were interchangeable. You, you're never real sure exactly what they're talking about, but they're pretty close to the same thing anyway. But the Scripture tells us there that this other one, you would take and the priest would lay hands on it and he would ceremoniously and symbolically put all the sins of the people onto this, this lamb, this goat. And then this goat would be taken out into the wilderness, carrying away the sins of all the people so that those sins were now done with for that year. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But God provided a way for their sins to be carried away. Now we could go through the Old Testament and find many more places to grab a hold of the scarlet thread. But I want us to jump ahead to the New Testament. And I want us to jump ahead to the cross and to Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he declares and shouts out, Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. See in that statement. John the Baptist declared to all of those around him. That Jesus Christ was a completion of the scarlet thread. If you think back to all that we've been talking about so far this morning. You see that there was a lamb offered for a person. In the experience of Abraham and Isaac. And then in the Passover there was a lamb offered for a family. For each household sacrificed the lamb and was spared. Then in the temple sacrifices on the day of atonement, what took place? A lamb was offered for a whole nation, the nation of Israel. But on the cross, on the cross, the lamb of God was offered for all people, for all times. Go ahead and take your Bibles and open up that to Hebrews chapter 9. And no, my glasses didn't come in yet this week. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 22. says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man once, to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those 
who eagerly, who are eagerly waiting for him. See, what he tells us in that passage of Scripture is all of that stuff that was happening to the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, all of that that was recorded there about the sacrifices, God says that was just a copy. It was something that was to condition them for what was to come. Most of us are familiar with Pavlov's experiments with his dog where he would, uh, you know, ring the bell and feed them and got to the point where if he rang the bell, they began just to salivate. Why? Because he had conditioned them for something that was coming. And that's what God was doing with this whole thing of the Lamb all through the Old Testament. He was conditioning people so that when Jesus Christ, when his son came, they would be ready. They would see it. They would know it. Because you see, the cross is not God's plan B because nothing else worked. The cross was God's plan A, plan only, from the beginning of time. And he tried to condition the people. But like many of us today, they got busy. They got looking at other things. And when he, <clears throat> excuse me, when he came, <clears throat> they didn't even recognize him. Jesus is the completion of God's plan. He is the completion of the scarlet thread. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shed his blood that he might be a covering for our sin and our shame. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shed his blood as the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shed his blood because he is the lamb that God has provided. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But Jesus said, shed his blood in order that God's judgment would be able to pass over us and we would have everlasting life. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus shed his blood as our substitute who carries away our sins. Folks, understand this. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. It is by His blood that Jesus provides us with an answer to a wasted life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Scripture tells us that God ransomed us from our futile, wasted lives. Not by worldly, temporary things, not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. God gives our lives purpose. By His blood, Jesus cleanses us of the stains of our sins. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, though our sins may be as scarlet, he will wash us whiter than snow. 
Folks, we're all stained by sin. Scripture says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus can wash that sin away. And by his blood, Jesus provides for us a relationship with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, he tells us that through Jesus Christ, we who were once far away have been brought near to God by his blood. Yes, there's power in the blood. That scarlet thread that runs all through the Bible is what it's all about. And Jesus is the completion of the scarlet thread. But what I want you to understand this morning is this. He is the completion. He is the culmination. But Jesus at the cross is not the conclusion. In fact, Satan would have liked that to be the truth, wouldn't he? He would have loved for it all to end when Jesus died on the cross. But Jesus came not only to conquer the sin of our lives, but he came to conquer death in the grave. He came to offer to us eternal, everlasting life. And so that scarlet thread extends from the cross out into the future, through the tomb, and on out through the ages. And it's still available to us today. That thread. That thread reached out one day. And a 12-year-old boy living on a tobacco farm in Southside, Virginia, grabbed a hole. And he brought meaning to my wasted life. And he took away my sin. And he gave me a relationship with my heavenly father. And his mercy and his grace came into my life. And there are many, many of you in here this morning who have grabbed a hold of that thread. <clears throat> but the truth of the matter is, there are some of you out here today who haven't. But I've got some really good news for you. That thread still extends out for you. Now when I throw my little thread out here, <clears throat> it doesn't go very far. It doesn't even make it to Jay and Annette. Good news is, Jesus' thread reaches out to anyone. There is a phrase that you hear often on weather forecasts. And that phrase is this, in and around. In other words, we're expecting a big storm to come in and around Colonial Heights. 
We're expecting a big storm to come in and around Chesterfield County. Now, that's a great little tool for weathermen because it's specific and general all at the same time. Kind of lets them hedge their bets, doesn't it? And you can do that with weather. But you can't do that with salvation. You can't do that with a relationship with God. You either in a relationship with God or you're around a relationship. And see, some of you are in that around stage. You may come in Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and sit around a bunch of people who have a personal relationship with God. But you're not in a relationship. And that's what you need to hear this morning. That's what this thread is for. It lets you move from around to in. It lets you move from knowing about it to knowing it personally. Let you move from just hearing a message to receiving a message. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Understand this. Without Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay the price for your sin, there is no forgiveness. There is no relationship. And that's the gift that God offers to you this morning. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That scarlet thread, that blood of Jesus is offered to you today. Let's bow our heads. As I said, there's some of you here this morning who know exactly when you grabbed a hold of that scarlet thread. You know exactly when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life. There's no doubt about it. You know you're saved. You know you've got everlasting life. You know you've been forgiven of your sins. But there's some of you that God brought here this morning Because you need to stop being around it. And you need to start being in it. Today, God is offering his invitation to you. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Who loved you enough to die on the cross. To pay the price for your sins. To shed the blood that was required. So that God's judgment could pass over you. But you're not going to experience that until you receive it. Do you accept and understand what Jesus did on the cross? Do you understand that you're a sinner who needs a Savior? Do you understand that you can't save yourself and your only hope is this scarlet thread that Jesus extends to you? There's some of you here today that God brought to this place, to this hour, to this location in order that you might receive everlasting life, in order that you might grasp a hold of the thread and see your life forever changed.
If you're here today and you know that you need that Savior, today God's spoken to your heart and you know that you've never experienced that relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never acknowledged him and what he did for you on the cross. I want you right where you are to just pray from your heart. And first off, just acknowledge from your heart and say, Lord, I am a sinner. And then acknowledge, Lord, I need a Savior. From your heart, tell him, I believe today that Jesus is the only Savior. I believe that he died for my sins. And I ask him to come into my heart and into my life. Today, I grab a hold of that scarlet thread. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. Pastors are going to be here at the front. Some of you need to come and grab a hold of the thread. How do you do it? Just come down this aisle. Take one of those pastors by the hand. And just tell them, I need Jesus. Or you can tell them, I just prayed that prayer. And they'll tell you what you need to do next. They'll they'll get you with somebody who can get you on the right steps and on the right track. It's God's invitation to you to come. Then there are others who maybe need to come and just join this church. Be a part of what God's doing here. Where lives are being changed. People are being transformed. Whatever it is God's calling you to do today. Would you be obedient? Would you follow him? Would you grab a hold? Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.